0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from
1: HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette and I am an editor of HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Resistance is useless
0: that was because of in honor of our topic today yes batteries we're gonna talk about batteries now this kind of falls in line with some of our earlier podcasts you may remember our basic electronics podcast that we did ages ago and this kind of falls into that same sort of category we wanted to kind of talk about what batteries are uh how they work and um kind of just sort of give you a a basic understanding. Now, the interesting thing about batteries is that it involves a lot of chemistry. Mm -hmm. So uh, we should have given this to that science podcast.
1: (laughs) Well, part of the reason that I suggested doing batteries, it sort of came to me when I was working uh, my way through a book called Empires of Light, which is a um, a history of electricity, basically, by uh, Jill, I'm, I'm probably pronouncing her name wrong, Jonas... J O N N E S. It, it may even be Jones, but it's really uh, well. At least so far, I'm about a third of the way through the book. It's really interesting. And they and uh, as Jill started working uh, through the basics of the history of electricity, part of the early history, of course, involves batteries because we weren't exactly plugging stuff into the wall uh, really much past the early part of the last century. Right. Uh, you know, a little bit into the uh, the 19th century, but really it's a 20 and 21st century, you know, yeah, sort yeah. of thing.
0: And uh, to, to add on to that, I mean, I have an interest in batteries because it helps uh, explain how absolutely ridiculous the robots and computers plan was in the Matrix to turn humans into giant batteries because really that's an incredibly inefficient way of getting your power supply. That's a very good point that I hadn't thought of. Yeah, I didn't think you would have, um, because it really has no other bearing on this discussion. It was just me trying to throw in yet another reference to a science fiction film. By the way, I still love that first Matrix movie. I just I refuse to acknowledge the other <laughs> entries in that series. Yeah. But let's talk about batteries. Yes, and as it, as
1: it turns out, batteries are quite old.
0: Yeah, we're not talking about the batteries in your closet. I mean, those might also be quite old. We're talking about the actual concept of batteries themselves.
1: Yes. Um, Actually, one of the the very first things that made me think about it was the Leyden jar, the Mm. reference to the Leyden jar in Empires of Light, uh, which was created in Leyden in the Netherlands. Uh, Professor Peter van Muschenbroek and his friend uh, Andreas Cuneus were working on an experiment in the mid-18th century. And uh, what they discovered was they could take a jar, uh, line it with a metal film on the inside and outside, about the bottom two-thirds of the jar, uh, and with an electrolytic liquid inside, they could put a metal rod down into the jar with a, with a cork uh, to, to cap off the battery, and it would store an electrical charge. Mm-hmm. Well, as it turns out, uh, you know, I had always heard of that as being one of the very first examples of a battery. But uh, back in 1938, um, a, uh, an archaeologist, a German archaeologist named Wil- Wilhelm Koenig, uh, found a clay jar uh, containing a copper cylinder with an iron rod in it. Mm-hmm. And apparently, the, uh, the people living uh, in the area around Baghdad had uh, batteries as old as – well, they think – they're pretty sure it's a battery. There's right. no right. proof – but the the design is very very similar to the Leyden jar, and these existed as possibly as far back as 200 BC
0: Well what's interesting is they found those clay jars in a giant stone statue in the shape of a rabbit carrying an enormous drum okay that's that's a lie but uh, you may re- you may remember what Chris is talking about if you if you're a fan of the show Mythbusters, yes Mythbusters did an episode about these clay jars and whether or not. The devices themselves could be batteries. One of the theories, or I suppose a hypothesis, that was put forward was that these were part of a religious or spiritual uh, ritual in which you would feel a tingling sensation by holding the uh, the these jars and you know essentially completing a circuit yes. that you you would feel that that tingling as the electricity moved through you because it was a very low voltage mm-hmm. and a really low current, so it wasn't it wasn't going to actually cause damage uh, as I recall in that episode they ended up rigging the clay jars they made with an actual electric circuit and uh, shocked um, Adam uh, as I recall and uh, to a point where Adam was very displeased uh, because it could have been potentially very dangerous Mm -hmm. but uh but yes that's a good example those those may very well have been batteries now what were they powering probably not ancient ipods
1: no um according to the bbc article that i found on it uh which dates back a couple years yeah um it is possible that they were being used for electroplating Ah, uh with gold right um basically uh you know using the electric current to plate things with a very very thin layer of gold or silver um there's no proof again that there there's no documentation the apparently the uh, instruction book is long gone yeah um and who repli- reads
0: those anyway um
1: <laughs> uh, but there there're no uh, the thing is what you were talking about with the mythbusters show um, there's no wiring that went along with it, so it doesn't appear as though they were wired in a series. And even with, as, as with the Leyden jar, um, they found out that although these these uh, you know we'll call them primitive, I guess, batteries uh, can store electricity, they can't store that much. The replicas of the clay jar uh, uh, batteries from the Baghdad find generally produce around 0.8 to 2 volts each. But when you wire them in series or uh, – no, I'm sorry, in parallel, haha, in parallel, um, then you can produce a much larger charge. It's just that they didn't find anything like that. So they could have been used in a religious ceremony to prove uh, the, the deification of someone. If you get the shock
0: right, one right.
1: time and you don't the other time, you're like, oh, wow, this this power, they have this power. Yeah, Obviously, yeah. they are divine in some way or for electroplating. Both Both examples are kind of interesting, but there's no – no There's way to no know way to know to for know.
0: sure right and uh and going to what you said about series and and parallel that's a good thing to mention really quickly mm-hmm. um if you are hooking up batteries in parallel that means that you're not hooking them end to end they right. are all hooked into a a circuit of some sort some sort of uh, uh of wiring pattern where uh that increases the current that the batteries are able to supply if you link them in series which is essentially end to end that increases the voltage, but not the current. Uh, so series is increase in volts. Uh, parallel is increase in current. And uh, in either case, they do not affect the other, right? Voltage, voltage is increased. Current remains the same. Or current is increased. Voltage remains the same. Um, now, Shocking, I know. Let's talk about another early battery uh the uh, the voltaic pile, yes, uh, this was uh, a battery that was built by Alessandro Volta in eighteen hundred mm-hmm. And what Volta did was he discovered that by creating layers of zinc, uh, a some sort of um of of separator, which he used uh, blotting paper that had been soaked in salt water and silver. Mm-hmm. Uh, then oh, I'm sorry, silver was the other um, layer. So you had zinc. This blotting paper that was soaked in brine, essentially, then silver. And uh, uh, found that that would also allow a transfer of electricity if you uh, created a wire between the the top and bottom.
1: Not to argue with you, but in the research that I did, Britannica said that it was copper and zinc that he used as the disks.
0: Well, it may very well be. In our article on our site, it says silver. (laughs) Oops. We'll have to
1: look into that, and if yeah. it's wrong, we'll have to fix it. But Yeah, um,
0: we can fix it in our article. That's one of the wonderful things about the Internet.
1: Actually, they may – in a way, they may both be right because these early experimenters were trying a, a, a number of different metals to yeah. see which ones were more they, – they may both work. But you know, right. obviously we know that copper is an excellent conductor of electricity. Um and uh, it is possible that he could have built one that way too.
0: Yeah, it's actually it is true that you can try various combinations of different metals. The most important thing is that the metals have to have uh, you have to have a, a, a positive electrode and a negative electrode, right? Mm-hmm. You have to have one metal where there's going to be an excess of electrons. That means it's going to be the negative one because electrons carry a negative charge.
1: Yeah, that that would be the anode,
0: and the other one's the cathode, which mm-hmm. has the. Uh, an, uh, an absence of electrons, meaning it has a positive charge. Now, as we know, negative is attracted to positive and vice versa, so electrons want to go where there's going to be a more positive charge. They don't want to be where there's a heavy negative charge because like repels like, mm-hmm. you know, as far as charges go. So the trick here is to create a situation where you have a negatively charged and a positively charged electrode close to but not touching each other, mm-hmm. Uh, suspended in some sort of solution, which we call the electrolyte, which allows the passage of ions, but does not allow the passage of electrons to go between the two, then you hook the two up with a wire of some sort, Mm -hmm. which would create a pathway for electrons to flow through. And uh, you could actually do this yourself if you really wanted to. You could take a battery and put a wire on one end and a wire on the other end, the two terminals, the negative and positive terminals. And that would create the connection needed for the chemical reaction to take place that produces electricity. It would also kill your battery really quickly. Yes. Um, You normally would want to put a load on that wire, a load being some sort of something being powered by that electricity.
1: Right. Like a light
0: bulb would be a classic one, right?
1: Yes, or a you know fan or a motor or an iPod.
0: Right, yeah. And, something. And so what would happen is the, the electrons from the negative terminal would flow through the wire, would go to whatever the load was on that wire, power whatever it was, and then continue on the way to the positive terminal. Mm-hmm. Now, once it hits the positive terminal, uh, the electrons start to recombine with various ions that have been generated by this chemical reaction within the battery. Mm-hmm. And depending on the type of battery it may mean that the battery is slowly losing its ability to generate power and it won't regain it. And like once you use it, it's gone. Right. That's why a lot of the batteries are when you go into like an electronic store and you're just buying AA batteries or, or something along those lines, most of the batteries fall into that category. Right. I mean you can get rechargeable batteries and that's a totally different discussion. But the in general what we're talking about here is the chemicals that are that make up the composition composition of the battery um, the the various electrodes as this chemical reaction happens within the battery and it generates these electrons and the electrons recombine uh, you lose more and more of the active elements of that battery mm-hmm. until eventually the resistance of the battery is so high that you are no longer generating electrons or mm-hmm. you know you're not creating that flow. Uh, that also explains why let's say that you have a flashlight you got you know you leave the flashlight on. You know how the flashlight eventually gets dimmer over a very gradual time frame? Yes. And then eventually it'll just go out? Uh, well, that can be indicative of two things. One, your light bulb could be burning out. <laughs> or two, the batteries are starting to lose their their uh, uh, potency. Mm-hmm. The resistance within the battery, because there is an internal resistance inside the battery, that resistance grows as those chemicals get used up in the, these reactions. Mm-hmm. So that it's able to put out fewer electrons. The, the voltage begins to drop.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's why you start to see that gradual depowering.
1: Yeah. Volta uh, saw that in his voltaic pile um, because basically what happens is... just
0: sounds so disgusting. Stop it. I'm sorry.
1: Um, because, of course, the salt water is going to dry up in, yes. in, in the voltaic device and um at that point the that the chemical reaction is not going to take place anymore
0: there's but there's also oxidation that's going on
1: what he said because that actually uses up the metal
0: oh i'm sorry i jumped ahead i didn't realize you were going to say that too yeah yeah oxidation the the electrochemical reaction that happens inside a battery is an oxidation reduction reaction yeah mm-hmm. uh which means that one of the elements within that reaction is uh is oxidizing and one's reducing now it's funny because reducing doesn't mean what you necessarily think it means um, right. it's actually it, the whole oxidation reduction thing is one of those things that always confused me in physics class mm-hmm. um, but reduction is actually a gain of electrons right and oxidation okay. is a loss of electrons <laughs> that's why it's that's why it's confusing right you're because reducing you're- but you're gaining electrons. Uh, you're actually uh, it's it's a whole thing. It also turns into it's because you're, you're you're you need to focus on the oxygen, not the electrons, is what is the problem. But at any rate, uh, that's the kind of reaction that's going on. And yeah, if you run one of these voltaic piles long enough, the you kind of get this corrosive material that ends up being uh, unusable for batteries. Mm-hmm. By the way, you can build your own voltaic pile. It's not very difficult at all.
1: No, not really. Um, in
0: fact, I'll, let me give you a, a recipe. This is a very easy way. Now, granted, you're not going to be able to power anything with this necessarily, but you might be able to detect the voltage if you have a very sensitive voltmeter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might be able to, to to see how much charge you are creating. But what you can do is you get some nickels and you get some pennies. Um, or you could use dimes and pennies if you wanted to, but mm-hmm. nickels and pennies are pretty simple. Uh, and you get a, a, some paper towels... And you get some water and some salt. All right? You create a solution with the water and salt. You put as much salt as the water can hold in solution. And then you soak the paper towels in that brine solution you've created. Mm -hmm. And you start to build layers. And you do a nickel. You do the paper towel. Penny. Paper towel. Nickel. Paper towel. Penny. Paper towel. The taller you build that tower, the greater the voltage you will generate. Mm -hmm. Um, And it should increase the same amount through each, each element of that voltaic pile that you've added. Right. Each, each three-part element, the penny, nickel, and uh, paper towel layers. Uh, and, uh, and it's just a very simple uh, simple uh, um, experiment you can do. You can also, of course, you probably have seen this, you can make batteries out of things like a potato. True. You have to use the correct kind of electrodes But if you put the two electrodes within a potato close enough so that the electron exchange can occur, uh, or or the ion exchange, I should say, can occur, but not so close that they're actually touching, because then you just create a short circuit, uh, the potato will facilitate the electrolyte uh, transition of ions. So you can power like a a tiny light bulb. Uh, By light bulb, I mean LED light. Um, And you can even hook potatoes in series. And the best thing about this experiment is, after you are done lighting up your room with LEDs powered by potatoes, you can have French fries. There is, <laughs> there are right. some intermediary steps, by the way. Yes, <laughs> they don't. LEDs do not turn potatoes into French fries. No, Belgians do.
1: <laughs> I'm a frite so. Oh, so. Nice, uh, nice. So anyhow. In doing research, uh, Jonathan reminded me of this uh, Energizer, you know, the battery company uh, website, and uh, it basically shows you an illustration of the different parts that make up today's battery. And in some ways, it's very similar to those very early batteries. It's just more powerful and and more
0: efficient, but and much more compact.
1: Yes, that that's true. Um, also, um, like as, like as we were talking before about. Uh, the experiments done by the early philosophers who were investigating batteries and and electricity, Um, depending on the manufacturer and and the application, they may use different materials for the uh, cathode and anode and, uh, you know, even the uh, electrolyte inside, Mm -hmm. depending on the purpose. Of course, they're always trying to get a better, more efficient battery. Uh, But in the case of the, uh, the Energizer battery, um, the cathode is is the case, which is made up of uh, manganese dioxide mixture.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a steel tube essentially. Like that's that's the outside of uh-huh. the battery, um, and that that's part of the cathode. So you've got that steel tube, uh, and then which of course is capped on both ends, uh, and then the interior of the tube is coated with this manganese dioxide mixture. It's a powder, mm-hmm. and um, and yeah, that. That's the uh, the cathode, so that's carrying the the what they call the positive electrical charge, which sounds so confusing when you sit there and think, oh wait, electrons are negative. But essentially, this is the positive element, right? This is what's generating the positive ions.
1: Right, right, and um, of course, as in uh, Volta's experiment, uh, you need a separator, yep. um, which is uh, made of, in Energizer's case, again, a non woven fibrous fabric. Yep. And uh the website actually says that the anode is made of powdered zinc.
0: Ah. Okay. So the the separator's job here is mainly just to make sure that the anode and cathode do not touch. Yes. Because that would generate essentially a short circuit. You would no longer have a working battery. Yes. It would be it would it would just be useless is what it would be. And it will also possibly generate a lot of heat.
1: Yes, think of it as the uh the battery chaperone. Now you two
0: nice. stay yeah. apart. <laughs> So anyway, the zinc uh, acts as the the um, the anode. That's the so that's this is the negatively charged um, material, and then you have the electrolyte, which is uh, the potassium hydroxide, that is inserted in this. That's what's allowing facilitating the the passage of ions between the anode and the cathode. Yeah. Um, and then you've got the positive terminal and the negative terminal. You hook the Yeah, that's the outside part of the battery. Right, right, right. Yeah, outside the battery. So back to the steel part. You've got a positive terminal and a negative terminal. Oh, and I forgot, there's a collector. A collector. Yes, there's a brass pin that is inserted. uh, the, The base of the brass pin acts as the negative terminal. So that's where all the electrons are coming through. But the brass pin's job is to act as a conduit for electrons, so, mm-hmm. so at the very center of an Energizer battery is this brass pin. Uh, you hook the, you know, plug your battery into whatever device you're talking about. You know, like a, a flashlight will stay with that. Yeah. The electrons will go through the negative terminal, through the circuitry of the flashlight, powering the bulb, and then back in through the positive terminal. And through that process, the uh, manganese dioxide and the zinc are going to start turning into this these inert forms where they they are no longer charged one way or the other. Mm -hmm. And uh, eventually you start to run out of the active components and you've got a dead battery. Right. Uh, Also, keep in mind, just going to throw this out there, uh, Mm. remember, electricity flows one way, current (laughs) flows the other way, because Benjamin Franklin thought that current was carried by positively charged particles, not negatively charged ones.
1: As it turns out, the answer was negative.
0: So anyway, <laughs> so that just happened. Yes. Uh, but yes, the Energizer webpage does have very helpful illustrations and animations kind of showing you not just how the batteries work, but how Energizer builds these batteries, mm-hmm, the various mm-hmm. elements that go into it, and exactly what happens while you're powering the device. So it's um, it's, it's a nice little uh, website, kind of a tutorial, um, if you want a more visual element to this discussion.
1: Yeah, and it, it really gets into how uh, energizer makes alkaline batteries, which is you know basically the standard type that you find on the uh, on the counter at your local store. Now there are other kinds, of course. Uh, we mentioned rechargeable batteries, but there are our lithium batteries mm-hmm. um, which are a little weird according to uh, to the research I had done on Britannica, um, there is no separator between the anode and a liquid cathode, uh, but as uh, but a, a layer automatically forms on the lithium, uh, which basically makes it its own separator wow. uh, this this layer as it forms is I guess as it's being used uh, was at least my understanding of that. Um, and that allows a much more uh, high power density, which is why you see them the lithium battery is advertised as a more powerful, uh, battery for applications such as you know, cameras, digital cameras. I see them often advertised in that for that particular application because they have a, a higher power density. But it, they also have a longer
0: shelf life.
1: Yeah, they do. They do, and it's uh, apparently because of the metals used inside. They're mm. also a lot more expensive.
0: Yeah, the, these are the kind of batteries. The small ones are the kinds that power things like um, like electric hearts. You want you want a battery that's going to last a really long time for that kind of thing. Clearly, you don't want to have to pop open, pop it open and switch the 9-volt out every couple of uh, weeks. Yeah, true. That would be irritating. But yeah, there's uh, there's carbon zinc batteries, zinc chloride. There's um, mercury batteries, uh, silver oxide batteries, zinc air batteries. And there's, there's lots of different types. And mm-hmm. uh, all the ones I just named were uh, non-rechargeable batteries. So... Uh, you know what? I think we should probably do another episode in the future about rechargeable batteries, as well as a, kind of a discussion about some of the things that can happen when batteries go wrong.
1: Yeah, I think I think that would be uh, that would be very good. Now, of course, uh, it, you know, it's possible that an alkaline battery will, if you leave it in a uh, device for too long, it will eventually corrode. Yes. Uh, but there are other instances too, like car batteries and. and yeah, the like chemicals
0: that. inside batteries can be caustic. Yes, they so can. So you don't. And, and you've got to remember that the, um, the steel canisters that surround the batteries keep that, those, those elements under pressure, not the Queen, Fed- uh, uh, David Bowie song.
1: However, I am singing that now. Yeah, Thanks. now I
0: am too. <laughs> it's a terror of knowing what this world is about. But anyway, the, um, the, 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 the batteries keep that. Those elements under pressure, and if you puncture it, then you could get squirted by some caustic stuff. So you don't want to do that. You don't ever want to, you know, break batteries open or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And there's also the corrosive element where if a battery's left for too long, it, that can happen. Um, also, uh, things like if a battery gets too cold, it can take a really long time for those chemical reactions to start up because mm-hmm. they often are affected by heat. And if it's too warm, uh, it may not. It may have already. Like the, It may not perform as well either. Right. There's usually a range of temperatures at which a battery is optimal. And then outside that range, you're going to get uh, a decrease in performance. But in general, like if you've ever heard, if you want your batteries to last longer, put them in the freezer, don't do that. Yeah. It's a bad idea.
1: Nope. That's not a good idea at all.
0: All right. Well, let's wrap up this initial discussion of batteries. We can revisit the topic in the future and talk about some of the other uh, issues and problems that we run into, as well as how can a battery be recharged if you're using up these chemicals. It's actually pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, I agree. I was actually surprised by the answer.
0: Yeah, yeah. It turns out it is not magic, Um, and that means I owe Chris a Coke. But fortunately we had them for free here so I'm not out any money.
1: Uh Jonathan um mm-hmm. actually this was just handed to me. Oh, uh, okay. It looks like howstuffworks.com now has
0: an iPhone app. Sweet! Isn't that yeah. awesome? Yeah, actually um I got to to take a look at this earlier and guys this is pretty cool. The iPhone app is uh, sort of a way to integrate all the cool stuff we do at HowStuffWorks.com. So you guys may have listened to one of our podcasts and we talked about there's this great article on the site, but you're not at your computer, so you can't really check it. Well, the iPhone app actually lets you browse articles and blog posts. It even lets you interact on Facebook and Twitter, and you can listen to podcasts at the same time. And it has all the HowStuffWorks.com podcasts on it. Not just ours, but, you know, good ones, too. So you can listen to those and look at the articles and, and go on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, it should work perfectly with your iPhones and iPod Touches.
1: Awesome. Well, that's, uh, it looks like it's now available
0: on the iTunes Store. So that's good to know. How much does it cost? It's free. Sweet! Sweet. <laughs> All right, well, that wraps up this discussion on uh, tech stuff about batteries. If you guys have any questions or suggestions for topics, you can contact us through Twitter or Facebook. Our um, handle there is techstuffhsw. Or you can email us. Our email address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon.
1: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the new Tech Stuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage.
0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012
1: Camry. It's ready. Are you